Okay. Welcome everyone to the Cashflow Happy Hour podcast. I'm Josh and today I'm interviewing Alex Savio. Alex has been in real estate investing for about 14 years. He had about 12 long-term rentals at one point and is now going all in in short-term rentals. So let's get into the interview with Alex. Welcome to the Cashflow Happy Hour podcast. I'm your host, Josh Baldovino. And on this show, you can join us live as we interview investors and share how they are increasing their cash flow. So grab a drink and let's get into it. Hey, Alex, what's going on? Wow, that intro is legit, dude. <laughs> Thank <laughs> I you. Like it. <laughs> I, uh, we had, a, we had a babysitter for a couple hours this weekend, so I decided uh, to play around with uh, some new things. So I'm glad you let you well, like it. Yeah, you got to help me with that, dude. That looks like <laughs> good and official, so I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, thanks so much for jumping on. Um, you know, first off, uh, the first question I'd like to ask everybody is, one, you know, what are you sipping on today and what asset class do you invest in? I'm sipping on water with my Cleveland Browns cup. I'm the rare Asian Cleveland Browns fan from Southern California. So, and it's water. I don't drink any alcohol or anything like that. I'm too cheap, really. That's what it is. As far as what I'm investing in, um, I'm all in in short-term rentals, all in. I love doing it and sold off my long-term rentals and just doing short-term rentals right now. Okay. So, I mean, just you know, football season. My Niners just lost, which is very sad. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why why Cleveland Browns on a on an offshoot tangent here? Yeah, it doesn't make sense, right? Um <laughs> uh so uh grew up in the eighties and I really enjoyed Bernie Kozar. Was a huge Raiders fan when they left. Had to pick another team. It's probably the worst decision I made, but um <laughs> gotta know. stick with it. It's <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. Okay, so the backstory of real estate investing, of course, like everyone starts off, why did you get started in real estate investing? Kind of what got that bug kicking for you? Um, maybe it's a history there. Um, uh, my grandparents owned boarding care facilities. Uh, they uh, bought some homes here in LA um, in the 70s. Um, and I remember buying a primary home in 2004. And my my grandparents, who were the, you know, the wealthiest people I knew, the most successful people I knew, they said, um, hey, you know, I never really made good money until I started investing in real estate. And for some reason, that always stuck with me. Um, my Lola also owned uh, a motel in on the Las Vegas Strip. And that was cool <laughs> growing up. <laughs> right. It's almost uh, close to where like the welcome to Las Vegas sign is. Um, and in like 2002, I think uh, the um, the airport pretty much like bought them out or whatever. So for some reason, I had the real estate bug. I do yeah. come from a large family, but um, nobody else got it um, except me, you know. Um, so anyway, that's kind of kind of why I started. That's fun. Actually, I just found out that my Lola has a boarding house in the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, and she keeps telling me, hey, do you want to buy it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny because they made really good money in the 80s and 90s. Um, and my grandparents had 12 kids and none of them wanted to take it over. Wow. None, they saw how much work did, it was. Did you? No, I didn't want to. I saw how much work it was. It was 24 hours a day. A um, lot of regulations. Looking at it now, I mean, they bought all right, They bought homes for like $80,000. And you want to talk about the ultimate house hack. Um, they would have six, we call them clients. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, um, 
they needed a lot of work like a lot of them um, gotcha. didn't feed themselves or whatever so six clients each one paid twenty two hundred dollars from the government so you're talking about buying an eighty thousand dollar home that generated thirteen thousand dollars a month of gross revenue wow um wow. right <laughs> and this is back in the 80s and at some point um and they bought three houses right next to each other and each one was full um and they kind of just rolled with that and just kept buying more and more um but i saw how much work they put in you know um yeah. maybe that's where i got my work ethic from uh, my grandfather worked really hard my grand grandmother and i saw that they helped a lot of people in the community what they would do is mm -hmm. they would bring people from the philippines um and that's how they would make their business function i mean they would employ all of these people from the philippines and They'd be grateful. Um, she paid them like 500 bucks a month and they had free room and board. Um, I love, well, yeah. it sounds like it, it sounds like Lola Savio was quite the mogul. So then, <laughs> I mean, did you right. like deep dive with her or did that just say, hey, that was possible? And then kind of where did you kick off from there? Never really deep dive with her. I know my my. And so that's the thing. She would employ some of her kids like, like to be drivers or, or to help mm -hmm. run the business. And then uh, my parents kind of ran the business at a certain point um and i i did talk to my mom because my mom um had one house for herself like she ran she ran the business one one of the homes for my grandma but mm -hmm. um like i said i saw it it was 24 hours a day and my, my parents kind of told me the gist of it and it just wasn't for me i think it put a strain on my parents marriage to tell you the truth uh, gotcha. just because it was every single day i mean there's no vacations at all no days off so and there was no automation, I guess, huh? For the hotels and hotels, <laughs> like there is now. Right, right, um, right. Okay, so then what does your current portfolio makeup look like, just for those who are getting to know you? Um, so I actually just sold all my long-term rentals. I actually have five short-term rentals that are uh, active right now. Well, I won't say active because two of them are going under um, re renovations. So I have two short-term rentals in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Uh, I have three in the Gulf Shores of Alabama. And then I have two more that are being built in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. And the cool thing with that is, I mean, you know, when you look, think about doing long-term rentals, um, you think about buying one home a year mm -hmm. or two homes a year. And then eventually like 30 years down the road, they're all paid off. And you might have like, I don't know, like 15 of them or something like that, or 20 of them. The thing is what, with short-term rentals, I've only been doing it for about a year and a half. You could get to financial freedom extremely fast because there's so much cash flow. So we're talking about that speed. You've you bought your first property 14 years ago as a long-term rental. How long yeah. were you in the long-term rental game? And then when did you start to transition to short-term rental? Yeah, I was in it too long, tell you the truth. <laughs> so I could tell you I bought it in 2004. Um, and then eventually 2000, I mean, I just sold the last long-term rental this year. Uh, but really... Um, <laughs> Because with long-term rentals, you don't really get anywhere. I mean, I know a lot of people are successful with it. I just wasn't. I mean, you'll profit 100, 200 bucks a month. And then every now and then, you know, they wind up moving out or something like that. And you'll spend three to five grand. So I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere with long-term rental. And then eventually, yeah. when I looked at the amount of equity and the amount that they went up in value, um, I wound up selling them. The last one we just sold, uh, I don't know, maybe a few months ago so. Could you give us an example of what the numbers, like on that last one that you sold, how mm -hmm.
how much did you originally buy it for when yeah. and then how much equity did you end up having in between there and kind of what was that initial cash flow that you gave up to move that asset to short-term rentals mm -hmm. it was an awful deal i could tell you that <laughs> so i bought it uh i probably bought that 2006 for a hundred thirty thousand dollars in houston texas okay uh, brand new build three bedroom two bath i think uh 1200 square feet um, and initially I was renting it out for a thousand bucks a month and I bought it sight unseen. Um, and it worked okay. But the thing is, like I said, like a thousand bucks a rent. And the thing is my mortgage was probably like $1,300. Tell you the truth. I, wow. Your negative cash flow, like 300 bucks. Mm -hmm. You still have to pay property management. You still have a HOA and that's if it's rented out. Um, over time it did like the rents did go up. So eventually I was getting like, um, uh, I think the last tenant was paying $1,300 a month yeah. refinanced and got lower rates and everything. So it was cash flowing like 400 bucks a month after how many years though? Right. After so many years, you're talking like 15 <laughs> years. Right. God. And then, but like I said, every in Texas is weird. Cause they, they tend to move out, uh, every two to three years. Mm -hmm. And so I would spend, you know, your cash flowing, like, let's say, you know, 300 bucks at best. Um, you know, $3,600 a year, that doesn't make a dent in your life at all. I mean, maybe it does to some people, but you don't notice a difference. But the thing is, like I said, every two, three years when they're moving out, you're having to spend three to five grand to fix it up. Um, the property manager takes the first month as a commission. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times, like I said, like renovations take two to three weeks it takes them two to three weeks to show the, the property and then it'll take them two to three weeks to move in. So it was kind of frustrating, man. That's, that's what it was. You know, it was just extremely frustrating and uh, we weren't really getting anywhere. So that's kind of the pivot towards short-term rentals. Gotcha. And then how much, so you bought that a long time ago for $130,000. Yeah. How much did you end up mm -hmm. selling it for? Um, we sold it for uh, 200,000, um, okay. you know, slow appreciation in Houston. Mm -hmm. Um, um, actually, the last year we we were thinking about selling it last year for one hundred thirty five thousand, right? Yeah. Almost the same exact price when I bought it, but just the last year everything kind of boomed, mm -hmm. and then luckily, um, you know, the the tenant just slowly pays down the rent, and so we we only owed like sixty thousand dollars. Gotcha, right yeah. on. I mean, that's. And you moved it into short term rentals. Before we jump into that transition, well, actually, you did multifamily before short-term rentals for a second before we jump into that i just want to say hi to dennis here dennis has a question dennis what's up man how's it going uh he said his hesitation is to jump because not having enough money to start most of the money is in index funds you got any quick uh 30 second advice for dennis well I, I could tell you the tax benefits are so much better with real estate i mean i got to a point where i'm not paying anything in taxes uh i mean i last year i got a forty thousand dollar tax return so even even if I was just breaking even alone with real estate, the tax breaks alone made it worth it. Um, and then not only that, I mean, you, you get the cash flow and then the appreciation on top of it, um, and then the tax breaks. So all three of those for me made uh, sense with real estate. You could definitely do stocks. I did stocks for a while. Um, it it kind of drove me nuts, um, and it just wasn't for me. And so I've been having a really good time with uh, real estate. So. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, I think uh, one, and I'm now going to dive into that $40,000 tax return. Uh -oh. <laughs> That's going to be a follow-up question. But Dennis, for you, what I would say is, I mean, I think mid-COVID, I dumped all of my money that we were saving for a down payment for my wife and I into the stock market because we weren't going to buy in the next couple of years. 
and we did it right as the world was shutting down, which ended up being best case scenario, of course. Um, and so I'm not sure whatever you invested. Uh, but I mean, if you're worried about having money, the other thing is you don't have to bring the money. If you bring, you know, the sweat equity, the know, the know-how, or just are willing to grind it out, you can find someone who may be willing to partner with you. Yeah, um, that's true. But thanks for the question. If you have anyone else have any questions, let us know. Um, I want to dive now, Alex, into, so you went from long-term rentals. When did you move into multifamily? You came in as an LP. So tell me, you know, real quick about that experience. Well, like I said, with my experience with long-term rentals, we weren't really getting anywhere. And so the, the one thing I thought was, hey, I need to expand like crazy. Um, and so one of the first things I did was do a 1031 exchange. I had I sold one house, one long-term rental that was kind of like the same scenario. I bought it for $120,000. Mm -hmm. I sold it for $200,000. And then I wound up buying three long-term rentals with it. And then I thought to myself, mm, this is kind of nice. And they're in Huntsville, Alabama. And they're they're performing okay. And at the time, I was like, you know what? Let me get into um, to expand the portfolio. For me to get to financial freedom, I had to. It was going to be difficult to buy one house at a time. And so I said, you know, let me get into multifamily. Um, and it wasn't what I thought. I thought, you know, maybe getting duplexes and fourplexes. But I went to uh, boot camp and did some more research. And multifamily makes more sense when you scale up really big. Like you're talking 100 units or 200 units. And then when you're able to partner with different people, uh, that brings different skill sets. Um, and so I wanted to learn that world and it just wasn't happening. I mean, I, you know, when you're a rookie and you don't have much experience, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you get the door slammed in your face so many times. And then um, not only that, if they do give you a deal, it's like the crap deal nobody wants. And, you know, you wind up spending a lot of time trying to vet this crap deal and it doesn't really get anywhere. Um, so eventually I start investing passively in multifamily yeah. and I actually liked it. It was, it was okay. Uh, you know, but it just requires a lot more, uh, significant amount of capital. Yeah. And obviously, you know, there's certain barriers, right. Depending on what the, what the fund is, if it's in the 503 C or B and things like right. that. And so you might have to have a significant amount of net worth for depending on the deal structure. Right. Um, right. So how many deals did you end up investing in? Uh, I, I just invested in the one. Um, and actually, they just uh, exited. Um, you're talking like a $50,000 investment. And then they, they give you like $75,000 back uh, in 18 months. There's wow. like a 25. Yeah. To, and not only that, you get a little bit of cash flow in the middle uh, while, you're, uh, while you're letting that grow. I think they purchased the property for $6 million and sold it for nine. Jeez. So a $3 million increase in, in 18 months. Uh, in 18 months, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to reinvest so, with them again just just, just to keep the relationship and the good rapport? Because that's, I know, yeah, you know, family. And actually, I think that's the goal. I think um, I think we all want to be invested passively eventually, right? I mean, the short-term rentals are extremely active. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. Maybe if there's a way I could get it to where I'm not working at all and just having checks in the mail, I think that's the most ideal thing, uh, ideal play, so... I'll definitely be doing it again. Um, you know, there's different uh, ways that you can invest passively in the, like these large deals. So it might not be in like apartments. It could be like storage units or mm -hmm. something that we're looking into, maybe like a midterm rental hybrid model or something like that. So. I love it. Yeah. It seems like, and here's one thing, and I've, I've only been investing for like a year, but it seems like that 
the investor community, one, if you actually find the ones who are right, which most of them are, are willing to help others, they always leave a, like a little bit of meat on the bone. But you go from like a really active role to then obviously making a decent amount of money and then just mm -hmm. not wanting to be that active. Right. And that just seems right. like the natural progression. Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. But it's nice because that means they're always just willing to pass along deals or leave something for you. Mm -hmm. um, Okay, so then you did that deal, but then why did you make the switch? When did you make the switch to short-term rentals and why? Yeah, it was um, sometime around June of 2020. Like I said, I wasn't getting any action with the long-term or the multifamily and COVID hit. And so underwriting became almost impossible. And one thing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac said is that you need to have 18 months of PITI escrowed into an account. And you can't even use any of that money for down payment or any capex. And so you're talking like, um, like we were looking at nine million dollar deals, right? So nine million dollar deal, we're gonna already have to put in about two and a half million dollars as a down payment, and then we're gonna have to have about a million dollars into an escrow account that we can't use at all. And so those numbers didn't make sense at all for us. Um, eventually, what happened is my um, my CPA Amanda Han uh, with Keystone uh, mm -hmm. Keystone CPA um, she she was trying to get me to become a real estate professional um, or my wife uh, so that way she could retire from her for, from her W two job and one of the things she threw out there was why don't you try short term rentals because um, you know short term rentals are a lot more active and we can you know qualify you for hours because you need to have a certain amount of hours so you could qualify as a real estate professional. That way you could take advantage of all of the, the tax mm -hmm. breaks out there or the loopholes. Mm -hmm. And, and then she said, yeah, you'll get more hours. And by the way, they cash flow a little bit more. And so I went down that rabbit hole and really she should have started off the conversation with the short-term rentals cash flow way more. And you'll, you know, the, the tax break is kind of just a throw in. And so gotcha. June of 2020, I kind of just put out there, hey, guys, where's the best market to invest in short term rentals? And a lot of people kept telling me um, Smoky Mountains, which I never mm -hmm. even heard of. Um, and at that time, I kind of got lucky because remember how we all felt during the beginning of COVID, where are we going to go into this crazy recession? Now, the housing prices had been climbing the last two, three years, and we all thought we were at the top of the, the bubble already and that the bubble was going to burst. And it never happened. But the thing is, there was this like really small gap where people weren't buying homes. And so I bought my first short term rental August of uh, 2020 is when I went live. Mm -hmm. That house sat on the market for over 40 days. Nobody was buying it. <laughs> and it was like a $625,000 home, which everyone's trying to buy right now. And it was a four bedroom cabin. So, wow. I mean, so you God, that's that's risky. Yeah. Okay. It was extremely risky. How did you okay, how, how did you convince your wife? How did you how did you justify it for yourself? Cuz you're like smack dab in the middle of COVID. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. there's no data to support that that but we're coming out of this okay, but right. you're like yeah. send it. <laughs> well, I was going to risk it all on an apartment complex in Kentucky. I don't even remember the city, uh, but it had a population of 5,000 and it was a 1.2 million dollar purchase price and it was 60 unit apartment complex. Um, and it was going to gross like $70,000 a year. Um, wow. and it was going to need a lot of work. And at the time I was leaning on partners. We were like, Hey, let's, you know, let's go in on this deal. We're going to pretty you're pretty much doing a burr on an apartment mm -hmm. complex, a 60 unit apartment complex. Mm -hmm. 
And I told myself, you know what, if I'm about to risk it all on this 60 unit apartment complex that needs a lot of work, why wouldn't I risk it all on this $600,000 brand new construction that looks amazing, that um, it would be pretty cool to own. Um, and then when I started diving into the data, it was a lot less riskier. And so then I said, okay, let me let me give it a try. There was enough people out there that was t that were telling me that they were successful in doing so, mm -hmm. um, like self-managing a short-term rental from a distance, that um, there had to be some truth into it. So then I said, okay, let me give it a try. Gotcha. Dude, that's, yeah. well, kudos to you. And you have some, I don't know, some crazy cojones, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was, I remember when we did the deal, uh, we signed escrow. I had $5,000 left in my pocket. That was it. And then the mortgage payment was going to come on my primary home. And we still had like, and you're talking all savings, like mm -hmm. nothing left. And so it was a risk at the time. Um, glad we did the risk. It was a calculated risk. Cause I, I, I knew it was going to do well. I didn't think it was going to do this well, to tell you the truth. I mean, you at least thought, I mean, I'm assuming that you didn't think the recovery time would be that fast. You, I mean, you might have thought there, like the, that, that market's always going to come back just because of the historical travel data of the Smokies. Right. Yeah. It was just a matter of when and how long right. they were going to hold it for, really. Yeah. And what's crazy is I still had meetups at the time and I was still trying to preach multifamily at the time. And, but the thing is, it's weird is like you would do an intro of who, you know, what you do. And then I would talk about the short term rental stuff. And everyone was like, well, we don't want to hear about your multifamily, whatever you're doing with that. Tell me mm -hmm. what you're doing with the short-term rental stuff. And then even like two, three months in, it was still kind of like, I was still trying to do the multifamily thing. And, but the thing is the numbers made so much more sense. And um, that's why we said, you know what, let's just dive all in on this. No, I got it. I mean, I think, you know, obviously multifamily is, it, it, it seems more intangible. Right. Obviously, mm -hmm. you're looking at a $10 million property. If you got to bring 25% down, you're looking at 2.5, mm -hmm. not including whatever your rehab is. And then mm -hmm. if you're trying yeah. to get a commercial loan, then you have to have a net worth more than the loan amount. Like there's all right. these other things. Right. Versus, yeah. you know, some people are using that second home product to buy a second home that they want to, you know, obviously yeah. use a second home, but yeah. You know, then can subsidize the time. And it's just, it's accessible cash flow. Yeah. Um, but it, you're, it's a completely different business model. Yeah, and that's what we found. We found it was a lot more tangible. You're you're dead on. It was a lot more tangible for people to grasp. Mm -hmm. The single family home is way easy. Okay, I get it. There's a vacation home <laughs> in Joshua Tree, California, or Lake Tahoe, or something like that. I have like rented a, a vacation home, and that's something mm -hmm. I can do. So I think people um, naturally understood uh, or understood that concept. So I love it. Uh, well, I have a few questions about moving into your long-term rentals and short-term rentals. Before we sure. do that, I want to say uh, thanks, Liz, for tuning in. She has a question. Her primary in Austin has gained so much equity, uh, about 300 mm -hmm. in two years, 13 years yeah. left on her 15-year mortgage. What would you do to get some money out uh, of this money pit to move forward into SCRs? I will say, you know, disclaimer, all those legal things, like we're not financial advisors and things like this, but, you know, mm -hmm. I guess... If you had $300,000 in your uh, primary, what would you do with it? Yeah, I, I mean, I've been pulling money out of my primary residence. Um, I don't, I've probably been refinancing every single year since it goes up. Because I look at the $300,000, like what is the $300,000 doing for you right now? Not doing anything. 
And that $300,000, we could probably get you a short-term rental that's, that'll generate $5,000 a month net profit. And it'll help you pay zero in taxes. So when the, that's how I look at it. Um, and to be honest with you, I was extremely conservative. At one point, I had three long-term rentals that were completely paid off. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was doing the 15-year loan too. Um, and I think I had like 11 and a half years left. Wow. And so what I did is I refinanced. Uh, and this is one of the best things I did. Um, I wound up um, cashing some money out and refinancing mm. back to a 30-year loan because mm. my my debt to income just dropped significantly. And I wasn't a genius or anything. It just kind of worked out that way. And yeah. everyone was like, oh, man, that was an amazing play because now I was able to qualify for these loans. For that one, that first property that we purchased for $600,000, mm-hmm. I wound up cashing out like $60,000 um, and luckily I did it because my loan uh, circumstances changed where they asked for more money. And then not only that, my debt to income went way down to where I could purchase that home because then now I got the ball rolling and now I was able to per- start purchasing yeah. uh, cash flowing assets. So. so I think what's nice about that story for you, Alex, is that it was like a little bit of luck of just timing, right? Because the mm-hmm. traditional mindset is, hey, if you get 20 houses paid off in you know, 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. right? then your net worth is crazy. You have cash flow like yeah. crazy. And yeah. then if you ever need to sell one off, then you just liquidate one, right? Like that yeah. was traditional long-term rental thinking right? historically before the whole short-term rental came. Mm-hmm. And then now right. you took action enough to mm-hmm. move into the new shiny object. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yep, it is the new shiny. Like everyone's like going, like er- it's kind of weird because I do talk about the multifamily and I still want to get into the multifamily thing, but mm-hmm. it's crazy because a lot of the multifamily operators that I became really good friends with, they're all asking me for like advice now. Like, how do I get into the short-term rental game? But um, I think that's because like multifamily, yes, like the payout on the exit, right? Which could mm-hmm. be three, five, six, seven years down the road for some, for some deals yeah. is huge. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's a three to seven year whole time. I mean, that 18 month, like deal is like one that yeah. I've never, I've never heard of, of any of the deals yeah. that I've been looking at. But mm-hmm. if you wanted 5k a month in a couple months, like you said, you could do that potentially with a short term rental. Right. Yep. Yeah. You get there fast. Uh, a good friend of mine, he put a million dollars into a short term or a, a multifamily, but um, he said like his cash flow is about $6,000 a month. I'm like, Ooh, I could probably bought four short term rentals with that. And you know, probably four times that, but his exit strategy, when they sold his $1 million is now $3 million. So you just have to wait for it. (laughs) That is, uh, I mean, it's, but again, it's also very, very passive compared to actively managing a business, talking to, you know, setting up the systems, going to fly out to the properties, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just risk tolerance, work tolerance, things like that. Um, Right. Because they're very different business models, especially if you're coming in as an LP for multi. Right, um, right. Yeah. Okay. My selfish question for you is, I guess, are, are there any nuances or things that you wish you knew about your first 1031 exchange? Um, I did mess up and I, I've done two 1031 exchanges. Um, and one of them I messed up on. I didn't do the 1031 exchange. I wound up just selling it and pocketing the money. And realized I should have done the 1031 exchange. Because not only that, I had the replacement property under contract already. Um, And so I don't know why, for some reason, um, I didn't ask the question. And 
so Dave Foster is my QI. He's with ERG1031.com. Uh, and what does um, QI stand for, for those who don't know? He's a qualified intermediary. Um, okay. So that is the person you need to find when doing a 1031 exchange. And he's been, he's he's all over bigger pockets. He's probably the one of the most popular 1031 exchange mm -hmm. guys out there. Um, he's actually going to be my host, my uh, my guest on this Monday um, show. Um, that plug. <laughs> <laughs> but he um, he's extremely accessible. Like, I think I've sent him over 100 emails. Like, it, he just constantly will give, like, free information out there just so, just so that way eventually he'll get he'll earn your business then that's his whole model and i should have just asked him like hey dave this is my situation like a quick 30 second email and he would have said yeah go ahead and do the 1031 exchange yeah. so the what i would tell people is find somebody that uh, a 1031 guy and just ask him ask him the question you know and now see that home i i sold in houston uh i i i don't know i whatever $70,000 gain I have to pay taxes on now. Mm -hmm. So which could be $20,000 that I, I'm missing out on or something like that. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's something I'm thinking about. I mean, we're, we're working on our first flip in Columbus. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if all goes well, I would hope to move the proceeds with between, you know, my partner and I into a short term rental. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yep. Call my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Now I have it and the recording. Yeah. yeah. Um, Another one, I guess, along the lines, and then we'll move more into short-term rental questions. Is would you do a uh, HELOC on your primary home? Mm -hmm. I would do it. I would do it if I. You you really get to a point where you're doing a short-term rental. I, I remember my realtor telling me, I don't really understand why everyone isn't doing this. They're like ATM machines. And at a certain point, you start getting bookings left and right, and we all have like that. We're like uh, trained when we hear that notification on our phone, like, oh, we got a booking. And then the second um, thing that we're trained to do is, oh, we're getting a deposit in our account. Um, so at a certain point, you're going to you get like this, these endorphins going and you're got to do whatever you can to um, secure properties. Um, so mm -hmm. if HELOC is the way to do it, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Selling them, do whatever you can to get money. So. Yeah, I mean, I would say on that, obviously, you know, with the HELOC, obviously it does change your debt to income a little bit. But if you think about it, if you can lock in a HELOC for, let's just say, 4%, 5%, whatever it is, but you can find a short-term rental that gives you a 20% cash-on-cash return. Yeah, there's I'd a borrow a billion there. dollars if I could, yeah. <laughs> like, that spread can easily pay off the HELOC, mm -hmm. give you some contingencies. Um, yeah. Again, not fan. I mean, obviously, this is a little bit more, <laughs> you're willing to put in the, the work a little more risk, you know, uh, adverse, but yeah. risk taker, but yeah. Um, okay. So short-term rentals, you have now gone all in just, you know, because I'm always curious about, you know, kind of numbers and baselines, how much cash flow with 12 rentals were you bringing in per month? And like, what do you think ideally right now? Like once you get say the five that you own, you know, what, what do you think that your average monthly cash flow would be? Yeah. Uh, once you get them all stabilized. So at one point I owned, because um, I buy and sell um, the long-term rentals, at one point I probably was cash flowing eight or $2,000 a month okay. at best. Mm -hmm. At best. And like I said, sometimes, you know, one tenant would move out and then you'd have to spend more money, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and now, so what I could tell you is um, 
we don't have all of our short-term rentals up and running yet, but w the first one cash flow is about on average, about $5,000 a month. You'll obviously have uh, like, you know, peaks and valleys mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, Cause summertime will profit $25,000 uh, in July. And then like, um, you know, like January we'll, we'll just break even. Right. And so on average about $5,000 a month. And then the, um, our second one generates about, uh, seven thousand dollars a month profit this is after everything guys I, 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 this is the power of the short-term rental right See, so this true. is after mortgage yeah yeah this is after mortgage after electricity bill cleaning fees taxes everything so really you get to financial freedom like it, what is twelve thousand dollars a month the rest of your life look like and you start like that's all i really need to do even if even if i didn't do anything else the rest of my life or my rest rest of my real estate career um i could just roll with that and the crazy thing is yeah. yeah uh when we look at it both of them have over uh, combined a million dollars in equity right so even if we wanted to just sell cash out tap out we could sell it and have a million bucks in our pocket um but yeah so now we have three in gulf shores two of them are um are going under uh uh, renovations to update them um so i don't have the data right now yeah because um it's all summertime too it's all summertime and spring break um so we acquired those in december and then january was pretty much dead uh we got like a couple bookings like the end of uh christmas to new year's eve and then that was it but what we think is that um uh, we purchased one for six hundred twenty-nine thousand. Uh, we put about forty thousand in renovations, and we think we're gonna that thing's gonna gross about one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. Um, not a home run like it was in, in um, Pigeon Forge, but it's a nice double or triple, you know. So we're gonna be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited for. I mean, we finally have our permit meeting for our Yucca Valley one tomorrow morning to review okay. our nuisance plan. Gosh, like that was an extra. We're closing that in September. If we've been holding it for this entire uh, time, you know, yeah. So it's been hurting a little bit, but I'm happy for that. Yeah. Um, okay, so I just have some maybe some rapid questions about short-term rentals for you. Uh, sure. And before that, there's one for me, Betsy. Curious on your flipping Columbus, would you convert that to a short-term rental? Uh, the, the specific area that it's in in Columbus, I wouldn't want to do a short-term rental in it, and that's just kind of what it is. Um, there are other areas that are nicer in Columbus that I would probably explore a little bit more, but this one, uh, we bought it so cheap that there's a decent amount of spread. So we'll just roll it as a short-term rental. Mm. Um, okay. So you are in Smokies, uh, Gulf Shores. Yeah. Where else is one more? That's it. Three in Gulf Shores, okay. two in the Smokies. Two more are being built in the Smokies too. So gotcha. I'll, I'll have four in the Smokies soon. And so, I mean... Real quick, why did you pick those two markets? Yeah, I wish I knew there. But <laughs> <laughs> really what it came down to is um, at a certain point, I was starting to do research and everyone, you know, I put out a rookie question on Bigger, bigger Pockets and I said, you know, where where's the best market to invest in? And a bunch of people kept saying Smoky Mountains. And I think I got like 25 responses and people would give me like a top five uh, mm -hmm. markets and the Smoky Mountains was always in one of those. And so I said, this, this has to be a thing here, right? And so it was crazy as I wound up reaching out and I said, well, who's the best realtor in that market? And everyone kept telling me, Avery Carl. I call her out of the blue 
and she says yeah i have a house you know the one that was wasn't selling it was her her listing that was on the market for 40 days and i said okay i have this weekend off can i come and visit you um, i think it was like two weeks two weeks later or something can i come visit you and she said yeah come on by um, and so that's really how the Smoky Mountains happened. And when I visited the market, it was like, oh, my God, there's so many damn people here. There's wall to wall people. It felt like a combination of Disneyland In the of COVID. and Las Vegas. Yeah. Middle of COVID. No one's wearing masks. Uh, <laughs> and um, just wall to wall people. I mean, that was uh, we visited uh, like first week of July. So it's it is their busy season. But once I saw that, I understood supply and demand that's all i that's yeah. all you need to know supply and demand there's nothing it's almost like going to um or it's like trying to go to the super bowl and there's just not enough seats or something and so they just increase the price of the tickets and so when i went to book an airbnb i couldn't find anything mm-hmm. and i would see like this crap hole one bedroom um condo that said it slept six people and had bunk beds in the kitchen and it said hey um you know $200 a night or something like that. I said, wait a minute, there's something to this. If this is getting $200 a night, what are these homes getting in the summertime? Yeah. So yeah, anyway, that's kind of how I landed there in the Smokies. And then through relationships and just talking to as many investors as, as I could, a lot of them owned in Gulf Shores and the Smokies. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, you know what? Our ROI is just as good in Gulf Shores as it in, is in the Smokies. And so my conclusion was, hey, you know what? Even if I come close to what I'm doing in the Smokies, I'll be extremely happy. So that's yeah. really why I came to the conclusion of Gulf Shores. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's really smart. I mean, one, you can look up, you know, in addition to talking to everybody and just seeing where they are, I mean, you can just Google best short-term rental markets and then 10, 20 blogs will pop up and there's going to be a lot of commonalities. Right. right. The same yeah. even for long-term rentals. For those who are looking for long-term rentals, you can Google yeah. the same thing, best long-term mm-hmm. cash flow market, and they'll still pop up. Um, it's like it's on the page on a Google. And that's yeah. just the action behind <laughs> it. That's really right. hard. Yeah, it doesn't uh, take too much, right? Like <laughs> uh, okay. So let's talk about a couple more short-term rental questions, and then I want to dive more into the marketing side just because you host your own meetup. Um this one's again from Dennis. So what's the minimum amount of money you need to have to start with your first short-term rental? I'm assuming 10% of that price, but what else do you think that you need? Um, yeah, you could, um, if you wanted to purchase a home, um, there are programs out there that are very well known. There are Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae uh, products that you could purchase a home at 10% down. So let's say, for example, my $629,000 home in Gulf Shores, I could have put 10% down on that. Um, and it'd be $63,000 and closing costs, so on and so forth. There is a, a different way you could go the Airbnb arbitrage model. If you, um, you know, um, I'm not sure if you know what that is. So what you do is you approach a landlord and say, hey, can I rent your place out? And then you, if they agree to it, you could put it on Airbnb. I know a lot of people that go that route because, um, you know, not everyone has $60,000 sitting around or not everyone has started investing, uh, you know, a while ago or have equity in their homes. Um, so that can be a route that you go to, um, which doesn't need any money to tell you mm-hmm. the truth. And I know some people that put like they'll rent a place and then put everything on a credit card and just, you know, $10,000 or whatever it is to furnish that apartment or home. And then eventually they make their money back within the like two, three months. So that could be a route you go. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different ways. And it's all, and it's also too, Dennis, it's dependent on your market. Like for example, I learned the hard way that in Joshua tree, nothing comes furnished. And after rehab and furnishing costs, I ended up putting in a lot more than I initially thought after my 10% down versus yeah. if I went to a more traditional vacation rental market that would have fully furnished units, and then I wouldn't have to replace everything at once. It would limit the amount of cash to launch. Um, mm -hmm. Other than cash to close, like, add the furnishing and things like that for the cash to launch. Um, okay. Or, or you could partner with someone, Dennis. I mean, I, I know tons of investors out there that, you know, they, they love the cash flow from short-term rentals. They just don't have the time. They don't want to deal with guests. They don't want to deal with any of that. So if you had the knowledge, some, somehow you have to figure out, and I can't tell you the answer, somehow get the hustle to learn the business. And then, um, you know, people will throw money at you. Even just today, I just got off the phone was a physician he said i have a hundred thousand dollars you invest it we'll split the profits i'm like i i mean i could take his money but i don't want another job you know i yeah. just I, I don't really want to go through that so or you could even i mean if you're and, and i love that idea alex i mean and it doesn't have to be a 50 50 split right like you could give someone 75 percent of the upside but you yeah. have zero money in just so that you can get the experience and the track record because once yeah. you get the track record man that's like every, <laughs> like like that just opens the floodgate it does. I'm telling you, like, uh, and I got a big fat mouth and I tell everyone what my profits are and they just, they want to partner up or they want to, you know, they want to pick my brain or whatever it is. So, yeah. Uh, and then you kind of alluded to earlier, but how is, so how is Gulf Shores going now? I mean, I think you just, I mean, you, you launched that fairly recently, right? Yeah. So we, we launched end of December. So we're only like a month into it. But what I can tell you is that when it's dead, it's dead. I mean, even when I visit the property, I would say out of, you know, 100 properties, five of them are, are being booked um, gotcha. during the slow season. Like it's slow. Even the restaurants, they close early. Um, mm -hmm. There's just not enough business. Um, the cool thing that I really, really like about the, pro the, the area and going into a beach market is if you could generate just as much income in four or five months versus 10 months, I mean, are you, aren't you working less? And then during the down season poor you, you got to go visit your beach home, you know, and <laughs> you know, you got to, you know, upgrade it or do a business trip to your beach home. Um, so that was, those were some of the upsides. And what I found is that, you know, there's tons of people out there that are looking for work during the off season. Mm -hmm. And so you could create all of these great relationships with handymen's cleaners. Um, I got an amazing relationship with an interior designer, another builder, um, you know, uh, contractors, they all need work and then you could create those amazing relationships that way you could um, manage it easier um, from a distance. So, yeah, I mean, and you think about it to the other upside, right, is that you only have four months of people trashing your place. <laughs> right. right. And so. we, we have we've been getting a lot of inquiries lately, like because um, we put uh, 25 or older, they have to book. And so a lot of times it's someone that's 19 to 21. So sometimes uh, they're trying to book your place, too. So you do have. Uh, uh, 7 million visitors that do visit Gulf Shores of Alabama uh, every year. And I think 70% of them uh, are repeat guests. 99% hmm. uh, of them are driving to the market. But the one thing that wow. hasn't been built into the price is the airport that's really close to the downtown area is expanding to accept flights that are coming in. So once that opens that market up, I think we're going to have that 7 million 
uh, visitors might go to eight million or something. Well, that's like that. the show. I'm gonna go. Uh, <laughs> 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 gonna call an agent over in the Gulf Shores now. Yeah. Uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, so then now we'll get into a little selfish section of the show, especially since you host your own events uh, okay. and you network a ton. Right. I think one of the things that are really unique uh, kind of about my background right, being a full time marketer is that it's, it's interesting to see how people are doing these things. Yeah. Right. So for the audience who doesn't know, tell us some, tell everyone a little bit more about uh, the meetup that you host, why you started yeah. that kind of how they all came to be. Well, I don't think I'd do a good job. I think uh, if I had your skill set with the intro and the background, this thing's <laughs> amazing, man. If I could do this, dude, we'd have it's more easy. viewers. <laughs> But um, so I'm a respiratory therapist by trade. I work in a hospital. And what I found is during the middle of COVID, everyone was miserable in the hospital, all these healthcare workers and um, everybody wanted um, a side gig. We're in the gig economy, right? Everyone wants a side gig and um, they wanted a side hustle. And um, so what I did is, you know, I'm and I talk to real I talk real estate every single day to everyone. Right. And more and more people listen and more and more people start to hear and you know and they start thinking i need a side gig like that and so i just went through the conversation uh with enough people that i'm like you know what i just need to put this out there and just do uh like weekly meetups because i enjoy talking to investors every single day to help them out um, and so it got to the point where i was talking like three four hours a day just to rookie investors wanting to get into short-term rentals and so I said, let me just put out, you know, a, a meetup out there. And then I said, let me focus in on healthcare workers because I have so, there's this huge demand. If, I, if I'm seeing this in the hospital, there's this huge demand of a bunch of healthcare workers that are just fed up or just burnt out and looking for a side gig. And so I created uh, a Facebook group with another nurse called Healthcare Professionals Investing in Real Estate. And I just I said, you know what? Um, I have so much info out there. Let me just put weekly meetups. So we host. Uh, weekly meetups Monday, uh, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, um, and we do them over Zoom, and we talk about just different topics. Next week's going to be 1031 Exchange. Sometimes I'll have realtors talk about different markets. Sometimes I'll have investors talk about, like, I had an investor talk about Palm Springs, how she's making good money. Um, I had an investor talk about uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I'll have lenders on there. Um, and it's not all specifically uh, short-term rental. It could be multifamily. Um, or long-term rental or just different strategies out there. Got, I mean, and that group like has grown. Like you have, yeah. you guys, you guys have done a really good job cultivating that community. Yeah. Um, and another time commitment yes. it takes to bring on a guest every single week and schedule them yeah. out and like do intro calls. Like it's yeah. a lot of work. It is. A, it's a ton of work, man. <laughs> um, and I think we have the next two months out. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even have who's next up after you on this one. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you, I, and that's the thing. What you'll find with real estate is all of them like talking and like getting mm -hmm. out there. And, and I went and shot my shot. I said, you know what? Let me let me message uh, Grant Cardone. Let me message Brandon Turner. I just said, you know, what? let me just go big. Yeah. They say no. They say no. No big deal. And so what you'll find in the short-term rental industry, like a lot of people that talk like at those events, you reach out to them, I bet you they'll, they'll speak. So, Yeah, I mean, one, you give yourself and you make yourself an authority without necessarily being an authority, that's for sure. Um, but also, I mean, you never know who you could reach. Mm -hmm. I right. mean, I think, and that's the thing that like, I've learned even from like this 
fun little YouTube bit yeah. is, I mean, I've got, you know, my uncles now calling me and saying, hey, like, what are you doing? I might have yeah. something. Could you help? And like, yeah. if you got one extra person yeah. to help fund your deal just, you know, through yeah. six months, a year of just doing this, yeah, then that makes it worth it, you know? Yeah. But their perception of you will be skewed. I'm going to let you know right now because all my family think I have money and I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> so they i don't want them hitting me up for money so you know <laughs> it's tied up into deals you know that's what's happening right and that's really what it is is i haven't like we pretty much haven't taken out any of the money from the cash flows we've just been rolling them into uh more deals so yeah i mean and that's it so okay and then maybe we'll kind of round it up um is so you currently still have your w2 um how about your wife is she now full-time um is she the full-time investor yeah that's her back here um she actually um uh retired right away i think maybe three months into doing short-term rentals because like i said you start getting um the checks right away and you're like oh my gosh this is insane like our, our first booking we got the hint right away someone booked for 500 dollars a night times four nights that was two thousand dollars for a weekend in august and we said our mortgage payment's only $2,300. We still have like the rest of August to book. And so like the first month we profited five grand. Second month we profited six grand. And it was a slow month. And then it was like, oh, already in October, which when, when she retired three months later, but we were getting like December bookings. And we saw that in December, we already generated like $15,000 for that month. Wow. And we said, okay, that's when we got the confidence like, Okay, this is it. So, anyway, she walked away three months later. Um, hopefully, uh, we're, we're in what February. I kind of given myself till July of this year to kind of figure it out, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> dude. Well, kudos to you guys. That's awesome. Iris has one. Do we? Ma do you manage yourself? Uh, yes, it sounds like. And yes, we'll yes, also manage ours ourselves. Um, you know, as you wrap this up. The last question that I have for you is, I guess, how can someone add value to you or what are you looking for right now? That's a good question um, because I haven't even thought about it that way because um, really all I'm doing is adding value to others. I mean, you're talking uh, every like I work 36, 40 hours a week and I probably spend just as much time adding value to others, um, like talking to different investors, texting and uh, messaging people. Um, and I haven't really um, looked for it. You know what I mean? And maybe mm -hmm. that's my mindset. Like uh, I, my mindset is always give, 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 give. And eventually something's going to come to it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if anything, maybe uh, if you know a healthcare professional that is interested in investing in real estate, just refer them to my Facebook group because I'm just trying to grow that group out. And okay. it's called Healthcare Professionals Investing in Real Estate. Um, maybe that's that's what people could do to add value to me, but I, I really don't look for anything, man. And, and what is it that I'm 42 years old and I come, it's really weird because I'm not spiritual or anything, but eventually you come to this point in your life. You're like, what does your legacy look like? Have you left the world in a better place? This is all stupid stuff that I never thought of in my twenties <laughs> and thirties, you know, like maybe in the back of your mind, but really that is what it is now. It's kind of like, how can I, um, if, if my family's taken care of, um, you know, fed and we got a roof over our head, yeah. well, what else do you want out of life? Well, really, 
can I help others along the way? And so that's been kind of my focus. I love it. No, I mean, for me, it's like, I, I mean, so many people are, are, you know, trying to pull things out of people and, and or people are really protective about their information. But it's those like you who just put it out there where everything else, like if you're just giving out good vibes, you know, I hate to say that word. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's, you're just you're just like depositing that good karma in the bank every single time. And everyone wants to be protective. I think it's a competition. But really, if you just end up like uplifting all the other investors, like everyone yeah. rises with you. Yeah, right, right. I always mm -hmm. tell people like I'm not I'm not looking for a dime. The one thing I'm looking for is two things is um, just give me a shout out when it happens, man. Like, hey, man, I just got my first rental check. This is crazy. The system's working because that gives me more energy. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I think I'm doing something else in life, uh, something good in life. And then the, the second requirement I ask is that you take someone else along with you. Um, like help someone else along with you. Just pay it forward and, and do something else um, for someone else. Do I like that a lot? So I will say, this is your friendly reminder. If you're watching this at all, whether it's live or on the post play, if someone's added value in your real estate uh, investing, just text them right now and say, "Hey, thanks. Here's what I did." Yada 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 yada. Because that does go. I mean, like, I mean, it goes a long way just to be like, "Oh man, like I did it. Yes, right." And like, it makes yeah. everyone feel good. Um, right, right. And then you also mentioned your Facebook group. So if you guys are watching this live, I'll add this after the show's over uh, onto the description of the video. And if you're watching this on the post play, then of course you can just click the link down below. Um, let's see here. Of course, where can people find you? Um, I'm active on Instagram. I'm probably a lot more active than I'd like because it leads you down a rabbit hole when you're watching these stupid reels or whatever. But um, at the real Alex Sabio on Instagram or on Facebook, you can look me up at um, just Alex Sabio. I love it. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on and just preaching the good word of short-term rentals. Um, I hope that inspires all of you. I mean, I, I'm inspired. I hope that inspires everybody else to get out there and look for more deals or even just kind of think outside the box. Uh, be sure to, of course, join his Facebook group. His Zooms are awesome. The guests that he brings on like, uh, are just... You did one with uh, uh, you know, a few CPAs and the cost yeah. seg was just money um yeah well actually we didn't dive into that hold on okay last for sure last question <laughs> so that 40k back on you know on your tax return like was that yeah. from a cost seg from your short-term rental because of the hours managed yeah and that's kind of why i'm i'm happy i got into multifamily because i never really really would have learned that strategy and what's crazy is when i started getting into short-term rental nobody was thinking about cost segregation study until i put it out there and then even the, my cost seg um, uh, expert, um, he wasn't even doing single family homes. He was doing multifamily. And then um, I kind of put it out there. And then all of a sudden, he just started getting so many single family uh, home requests for short term rentals. And now he's like completely overwhelmed with it. Um, but yeah, that I learned that strategy through multifamily because that's what a lot of multifamily mm -hmm. operators do. They do a cost segregation study. Uh, like, um, obviously, I think the bigger bang for your buck is um, the apartment complex because um, there's a lot more assets to running that business. But yeah. you could do it f just as well for a short-term rental. Um, and there's some tax loopholes there that are uh, pretty pretty beneficial with because uh, you don't have to qualify as a real estate professional. So, I love it. Uh, well, 
if you want to get more of that, there are a few webinars that are on Alex's uh, group channel or as well. I think your uh, your business partner in that, Savannah, also has a YouTube channel. I'll link that down below too. Yeah. Um, but Alex, again, thank you so much for dropping all that knowledge. Uh, I hope everyone else here goes and follows him because what they're doing is awesome. Uh, and I will catch everyone on the next one. Cheers, Alex. Bye, guys. Thank you. Go Browns. Oh, no. Go <laughs> Niners next year. Trey Lance and Rosé. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. All right.